Good morning, everyone. This is Stephen Kwong, along with Natalie's Kalea Robinson and Jess Furman. Welcome to another episode of the Unlikely Journey. This morning, we're going to talk about our favorite books. So, right to it, Jess. You're up first. Name oh one、gosh. or two of your favorite books and tell us why. <laughs> oh gosh, favorite book. I mean, I listen to a lot of a lot of audio books.、Um, That counts. I, I mean, I would say back in the day, it's going to sound super nerdy, but、uh, David Allen's "Getting Things Done."、Um, I'm a real like nonfiction like improvement human in terms of like the books I read, but that book、um, I've given to like about a hundred different people.、Um, it's just it was like my first foray into like really understanding how to、um, how to manage my time, and the busier I got, how to like not feel stressed about the deluge of all these opportunities and things that were coming in at me, and. Um, it has a really, really interesting practical, like very practical advice, down to how you label things,、um, and and just how you, you know, kind of qualify emails that come into your inbox, actionable, non-actionable, two-minute rules. Like, there's all these really practical tips.、Um, but yeah, I would say getting things done is like probably the one book I've given to a bunch of people. And is that book something you come back to to reference time over time? Has it lasted throughout the years? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say.、Uh, I would say occasionally I go back and look at like some of the like the more of the file systems, just the strategy behind it. I mean, of course, back then it was like when he wrote that. I'm sure there's updated editions, but it was color coding file tabs and <laughs> things like that. And now we have you know computer programs and things like that. But but the strategy behind how to determine like what to focus your attention on, I would say is 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 a is a bit time tested. You know, it's something that I go back to, you know, every once in a while. Nice, Natalie, you're up. Well, I have a few books that come to mind. So I would say, like ultimate, like、um, favorite,、uh, like maybe it's like top five is like Time Traveler's Wife.、Um, there was a movie that was made after, but the book is really amazing,、um, and it's just sort of this idea: this guy just travels、um, through time, and you kind of see his life and how it's just it's everything that you need、um, in a in a fiction book. Um, there's sort of like self growth and、um, and learning and you know a little bit of tragedy but a little bit of you know love and、um, yeah it's just it's it's it has all the pieces I think for a good book、um, on a nonfiction side I would say um, hold on um, hold on one second before you jump to the nonfiction one、mm-hmm. um, if I may this is interesting that another friend of mine. Had just brought up that book, or maybe the really,、movie. yes, very recently, and she said the same thing you said, which leads me to ask this question: What is it about this book that particularly touched you? I think part of it is so there's this idea, this fantasy part of it, where I mean, everyone's thought about going back in time or going forward in time, like how would you change your life? Because it's like it's something that it's elusive to us; we can't do it. So,、right. if you could, what are those decisions that you could make? And it sort of makes, at least for me, made me really reflective about that. But I think, in terms of the book itself, it's just, it's just really beautifully written. It's, you know, it's not. There are some fiction books I think that are like, they're just like masturbatory. Like they're just like the, you know, the words are just like too flowery. It's like hard to read.、Um, And it doesn't do anything for the reader, but I think it's just really well written. And I think part of it, it just feels it's emotionally compelling. 
you know, you find out that this character, you go through the, the journey with him, that he's gone through different kind of points in his life that people can really relate to. And when did you read this book for the first time? I read it in college, but I read it again, um, maybe uh, maybe five years ago. I read it again because I had my husband Shane read it. And I said, okay, if you read it, I'll read it with you. So we sort of read it at the same time and we like talked about it. And he actually really loved it, even though, you know, he's not really into like, and I wouldn't say this is a romantic, um, I mean, certainly there's a love element, but there, it's not like a rom romance novel or anything. Um, it, but it is softer, I think, than what he would normally read, but he loved it. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know the name of the author by any chance? Yeah, it's like Audrey, Audrey um, something burger. Let me see. Um, Do you know if that's a, a real name or a pen name? Oh, I don't know. It's Audrey Niffenegger. Oh, interesting. They turned that into a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was a decent film. I think it's a great holiday read. Yeah, so I might buy that because it's come up twice or maybe even more than twice just recently because I was like, why did she bring that up? Okay, fascinating, super, super fascinating. I definitely got to go check that out. And then um, before I so rudely interrupted you, you had another book. Yes, yeah, so I have two more that comes up that like off the top of my head. Well, I've, I can go on. <laughs> so one book is um, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. So Michael Pollan, I think, is more of like a social scientist. Um, so he had a curiosity about psychedelics. So what he did was he decided to try them and then he writes about it in this experience. And what he realizes, um, is sort of this idea. He goes through the history of it, um, of psychedelics and, and, you know, when they were almost legal and then they were illegal and then, you know, but, but sort of that the experience and, and he kind of, kind of comes to this conclusion that, you know, it's really mind opening. Um, and, and so I just loved it because I thought it was a really different way to look at substances. It makes you also question like what really, what's the definite, what's the distinction between a medication and a drug? Um, I don't know. It just, I, I, I thought it was really interesting. And Michael Pollan is known for some of his other books as well. He's a super popular guy. He's uh, based out of Berkeley, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, he wrote a book about, you know, like, like just vegetables or, or something like that. Hold on. Let me see. Oh, this is your mind on plants. That's what it was. And I think his, he has, um, he wrote a book about caffeine as well. So I think it's just kind of an interesting, I think obviously like I'm really into health and wellness and I think looking at the substances you put in your body, you know, and questioning like really what what is the what is your perception of it, and what is the reality of what happens? Right, absolutely. And if I'm not mistaken, the omnivore's dilemma is also one of his books. Like he's mm -hmm, big mm -hmm. on the whole food, how food impacts society. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. He's he's currently at Berkeley. He went to Columbia. Um, himself but he teaches at berkeley now very cool so you're um so you're two for two right now you have two more so okay if you're into like a thriller 
um, but like a real, um, real life sort of thriller, I highly recommend Red Notice by Bill Browder. So Bill Browder actually went to Stanford GSB and he ended up like going, working in, um, in, 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 fin- in the finance world. And he ended up investing a lot of money in Russia because he saw the opportunity there. But then it goes through this whole crazy, crazy um, journey of him having to deal with the Russian government. And it's insane. I won't tell you more because you definitely just like need to read. It's like such a fast read because it's so interesting. Oh, wow. Is this the same as the new Netflix series that's out right now? No. But yeah, I was mm-hmm. just going to ask. So totally but, different. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally different. It's like, like thriller and like Russia. I'm like, mm, this was like a Ryan Reynolds and The Rock type movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Red yeah, Notice yeah. movie that no. just came out. <laughs> yeah, I thought I had asked. Um, I think Shane watched that movie on Netflix. And I was like, is that Bill Browder? And he was like, no, I think it's separate. And I, I think it is very different. Um, but I would highly it's you know, what's really rare about it is that it's a true story and it's from mm. his words and he's actually still in hiding, I think. Um, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. So this oh, is wow. a, this is a, this is like a memoir. This is a, like a nonfiction. It's a nonfiction. Yeah, yeah. It's like his experience. And I think part of it is like, I mean, I would have never, I, I don't even think about it. Like, doing business in Russia like what does that look like as an American and doing right. big business right because they're not it's not just like you know a million dollars it's like hundreds of millions of dollars a billion dollars mm. you know what I mean so it's like when you do that kind of money in Russia then they they figure it out and they know who you are <laughs> you know it's like okay now Lise, have you read have you read confessions of an economic hitman mm-hmm because if you like that. that book, it's a very similar premise. It's like, well, I mean, it's also a nonfiction, but this guy's basically his job was he's an economic hitman. He His job was to work with these subcontracting companies that were like a couple of deep, basically a couple deep from the from the U.S. government. And, you know, so they look like they're separate subsidiaries that are just bidding on infrastructure projects in different countries. But his job was to destabilize those areas so that they'd have some sort of political indebtedness, indebtedness to the U.S., when we would come in and fix a problem. So think about like what happened where we flooded, you know, Jamaica with powdered milk or, you know, what happened with like the canal in Panama. Like there are all these different um, subcontracting companies that bid on these projects with inflated projections. And his job was to go in and gain the trust uh, of like the rulers in those areas and the decision makers and steer them towards making these decisions um, that would have these false projections so that there'd be some sort of infrastructure breakdown within a few years. It's a fascinating book. Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to get that info from you later. Yeah. Wow. S- such a fascinating book so far, Jess and Natalie. So Natalie, how about you, Steve? Well, yeah, I have two, yours? but I but you owe us one more. You get you've given us three, Natalie. I want to know what your last one. So I'm gonna um, I'm going to recommend anything by Esther Perel. Um, I think she's come out with two books so far. I'm sure she'll write more. So Esther Burrell has a podcast called Where Should We Begin? And what she does is she takes these couples, they're real life couples, and she does one counseling session with them. And she's so intuitive and she's just so smart. Like every time she, she comes to like some conclusion or make some kind of she she provides insight um to these couples and 
there have been so many times I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so right. Like that's exactly what's happening. And these people, these couples who volunteer um, get really real. So you have every, I mean, there's so many different topics that, that are covered kind of throughout her podcast. But anyway, so she's come out with a few books. One of the books that, that I read recently was, is called The State of Affairs. And she really talks about sort of this idea of monogamy and she kind of unpacks it. And, you know, I think we're living in a world where people look at relationships. I mean, certainly there's gender is more fluid, but also relationships are more fluid. And what does that look like? And where does marriage fit? And she it's and she's not a proponent of she's not saying get married or don't get married. She's really saying, look at who you are and and where wherever you fall, it's okay, but it's important to understand where you are. Um, and so it's just really interesting because again, I think, and I guess similar to kind of Michael Pollan's books, and maybe that's what what really kind of resonates with me is sort of the reframing of what you believe, like what you believe to be right or wrong. And just kind of turning that on its head and saying, okay, let's, let's take all of that judgment out and let's just look at, you know, what's real for you. So I would highly recommend that too. And it's called the state of affairs. Yeah, the state of affairs. Um, and then she has another book called Mating in Captivity, um, which is, you know, along, it's, it's related as well. Um, but she is a, a psychotherapist for couples, very specifically. I think she started another podcast around um, like working relationships as well. But I think the the original podcast is just super it gets so deep, <laughs> like in people just are really real. And I think that's what's really different about it. Oh, so fascinating. So mm-hmm. I'm already adding four books to my Amazon buy list right now. So thank you guys for that. So I have two that I highly recommend. The first one is the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. And it's, um, I mean, I'm sure there are a gazillion translations of this ancient text. Um, it's basically a book of verses written by this mythical character. So we don't know if Lao Tzu was ever like a real person or if he is just the um, embodiment of um, various ideas that have been developed by, let's just call it ancient Chinese wisdom. So this book has, um, I don't know how many verses, but each verse gives us an insight into the framework of how humanity has stood time and guardrails around what a person should or should not do in order to really receive the abundance that the universe has to offer. And I know this stuff can sound a little bit cosmic, but I really love the book in that it helps me understand that the entire universe is held up by paradox. So for example, um, this is cliche, but you guys might have heard that, you know, without darkness, we don't recognize light, right? For example. And yeah. and there is some things that can't be refuted in science, which is like there are polarities, right? There's mm-hmm. a negative charge and a positive charge. There's um, 
there is uh, feminine energy and there's masculine energy uh, per se, but that that's a bit more subjective. But for sure, the Tao Te Ching really has helped me in a number of ways to, to understand myself. In particular, I've always been fascinated by why I've never been attracted to religious institutions mm. um, or, or just institutions in general. So like when I was in high school, I was like, ugh, you know, the the student government, yuck. In college, uh, fraternities, yuck. Going to church, yuck. But at the same time, I've always been highly attracted to this sense of a higher being or like, you know, some sort of a cosmic power that's outside of myself. So to an extent, I believe in choice and our propensity to design our, our own destiny. Uh, on the other side of the coin, I also believe that we are in the predicament that we're in because we didn't have a choice to be born to like my mother, Jane Kwong, or my father, Jackie Kwong. But although some people would argue that, you know, we chose our parents from a past life, but that's a different story. Um, mm. So, <laughs> right? So, so what the Tao Te Ching helps me with is just understanding that, hey, the, the paradox of the universe is the greatest integrity of all. You know, this whole idea of being extremely secular with one path versus another path, with one religious institution versus another one, it's all there because it's held up by paradox. And so each verse in the Tao Te Ching talks about the universe in this concept of this great integrity. And the great integrity doesn't stand up on its own. It's actually held up by the paradoxical forces of the universe. So that's one mm. of that that is my favorite book of all time. That's super deep. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but okay, let me let me let me dig into that a little bit because sure. can you repeat that? So it's like the um the paradox the integrity of paradox. Well he calls basically he calls um the forces of the universe. He's he's labeled it the great integrity. And I think mm -hmm. the reason why he's labeled it the great integrity is because at the essence of like the, the core essence of, of everything, when, we, when we're trying to look for truth, the truth itself is held up by paradox. Mm -hmm. That's what he's trying to say. That's my interpretation of what he's trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess for me, I interpret that as balance. Like you yes. can't have... Yes, I agree. Like the yin yang symbol. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that inform your day to day? Or does it? It, it does. No, it absolutely does. So the minute that I think I'm right about something and I, and I go with it because like maybe my decision is based on historical experiences or maybe it's just based on gut intuition. The moment that I go into it, I have to give myself uh, a strong degree of trust. And I'm, and that trust comes from for me, at least, it comes from a combination of like things that I've learned through my experiences and also like this invisible faith. So I'm going into it and here I am thinking that, okay, I'm 99% right. And then, and then I have a conversation with Jess, for example, and she flips everything upside down. So then, you know, 20 years ago, I might've been like, oh, fuck, I'm wrong and Jess is right. Today, I'm thinking like, okay. I'm neither right or wrong, and Jess is neither right or wrong, but the combination of those two things is leading me towards the great integrity, which is more inquisition. 
and that's how it guides my day to day. So I'm mm. not, I'm never in a position of like, this is it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm open and always will be open. There's a multitude of higher degrees of things that I don't know versus the things that I do know. And when I'm kind of like lost in trying to understand if I need to hold a, a specific position, I go back to the Tao Te Ching. And what it tells me is that you actually can go on and live like a prosperous life without being true to any one position because paradox mm. is that is mm. that balance yeah that's interesting it reminds i mean it sort of makes me think like okay well let's go back and let's let's align on what what does integrity mean and and i think integrity obviously is like i don't know like moral character but i think it's also like wholeness right yes Yes, so that's I, what that's exactly what he says. That's exact I think I think that's my interpretation as well. It's that wholeness. It's the wholeness. Yeah. It's the wholeness. Yep. And then Absolutely. it makes me think of sort of this idea. Um, so I went to Esalen maybe, I don't know, a few years ago. And there was like uh it was like a, a music sort of uh meditation workshop, but it, it was really inspired by Ram Das. Um and he says something like there is no like right or wrong. And we, the whole group got into this like discussion around like, I guess like, like good and evil. Like, does that, like, does evil really even exist? It's like, or like good people or bad people. It's like, does that really exist? Like, you know? It all kind of sounds like this, just, just like the general concept of like, do you believe in an absolute truth? You know, like, are you governed by yes, no, right, wrong, you know, like, I mean, absolutely. You know, is there is there some sort of empirical absolute truth? Um, which right. I, think, I think that's a really really interesting question, Jess. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, because I I mean I guess it's like if you do believe that, then there is going to be a right and a wrong. You know, like there is going to be, you know, something that you it 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 does like as a core principle. People who believe there there is absolute truth, I think, does make it trickier to be open to, you know, learning about things or just being comfortable understanding that you might not understand. Um, you know, if you're driven towards this, this desire to, to know an absolute truth. I, I love that, Jess, because I think um, w- one of the many reasons why I'm so attracted to this book is that they talk about truth um, and they talk about truth in, in, a, in a very unique way. So I'm not sure if they're pointing to absolute truth or relative truth or some formulation of what truth is. But for sure, the Tao Te Ching reference nature all the time. Nature is a core theme. And um, and I think for me, that's really important because one of the sentiments in the Tao Te Ching is like, nature takes her time, yet everything is done. And I'm like, oh shit. For me, it's a super powerful message because we don't have to do anything for nature to like do her part. There, there are seasons. And you don't have to rush seasons for for things to change in nature. Like we're we're a part of that ecosystem as well. And so much of our discontent in this world, I I may argue, is based on our attitudes of wanting certain things to happen at a particular speed. So it's like the temperament of um, you know how do you how do you temper your mind to be more in line with what's happening anyways versus having this propensity to feel like you always have to be in control. Mm. Yeah. Or what is the illusion of control, which is why, like, you know, 
the stuff gets incredibly yeah. esoteric, <laughs> you know, like what, you know, are, you know, you can, you can get into predetermined destiny and things like that. <laughs> you know, it's just like, what are, are the decisions we're making predetermined based on so many factors that you could theoretically, given the right level of technology, predict any one of our behaviors and or, you know, the thing we're about to say um, or do. Um, yep. Yeah. I, it's, it's, yep. I mean, I, I yeah, it's, I, I mean, I, I love, I, I, I've read, I have, I, I, I forgot what version of that book I have, but um, it's a, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, it kind of, it's, it's very poetically written, you know, so it's, it feels like a it good is. exercise and kind of like also it being ambiguous enough that it's impossible to not kind of like have the freedom to interpret, you know? Um, and that's, and that's the beauty of it, right? Cause it forces, like if you're, if you're in, if you're an introspective person, it forces you to uh, ponder and the questions matter more than the answers. And that's what I love about it. And, but at the same time, it's not ambiguous to me in a way where like, Oh, I can just take this anywhere and, and let my thoughts go free. There, there are guardrails in, in, in the verses. I mean, they're very specific about that. You know, it talks about um, sociology, human relationships, psychology, but in a way that always will reference back to nature as a, as a starting point. Um, but dang, I don't mean to like overtake this conversation with the, with the <laughs> Wait, but didn't you have two books? You like, said you had two books. I, I do. And the second one is a lot more pragmatic in, in terms of approach. Um, so Malcolm Gladwell mm-hmm. wrote this book called Outliers many years ago. Mm-hmm. It was like a, you know, super bestseller. Oh my God. I love and, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, I, I love I love his stuff, but I in particular like Outliers was a game changer for me, right? Because it basically, in in so many words, shows case studies and examples of you know some of our assumptions about talent and success. Like we have to throw all of those assumptions out of the window. So, for example, many of us have heard about the ten thousand hour rule. You guys know about that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like to be good or great at something, you got to put in ten thousand hours of work, regardless of what it is. And that and that and those ten thousand hours would trump any sort of talent easily. And by the way, a, a friend just had just gave uh, given me this other book called uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth. Have you guys heard about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a study in resilience, uh, choosing choosing to put in work into something that you're passionate about, right? Cool. So I think, uh, yeah, that now that's a really good book. But Outliers stands out. Outliers and Zhao Ching, Those two books really help guide my day to day. Have you read Have you read Malcolm Gladwell's Tipping Point or Blink? Absolutely, have both of those as well. Tipping Point was phenomenal. So, so it's like I love how like Malcolm Gladwell is his way of writing, where it's like it's so accessible, you know, and seemingly obvious once you read it, and you're like, wow, like you know, it's not like I mean, for people who are listening to this podcast, like we did deep dive on some super nerdy stuff between like you know <laughs> all of our books. I think at some point we dove into like deep nerd concepts, but. I love Glad. I feel like Gladwell is like a really good like um, I, pop culture. Sounds like I'm 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 saying it's watered down because it's certainly not. But I feel like it's an accessible way to kind of I think baby step into some of these concepts. Um, you know, it's not written in a way that's that's tricky to follow. I agree. Like when you read his books, it's almost like you're watching these half an hour documentaries that are like succinct and concise, and you don't have to do too much guessing around like what is he trying to talk about. Right. Yeah. Guys, this has been super fascinating, but we're over time. Thank you guys so much for this morning. Super insightful. I've added a number of books to my buying list this season. Wishing you guys a wonderful day. Signing out for Natalie Scalia Robinson, Jess Furman. This is Stephen Kwong. 
Wishing you guys a great day. Peace.